Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series on the Book of Romans with this message entitled, No Accusation, No Condemnation. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us not only be hearers of your truth, help us to believe truth by doing the truth that we may receive a blessing. O Lord, we confess our sin. We are hearers. But O God, work in our hearts that we may do your will that we may imitate your son who always did the will of the father help us to do this in Jesus name amen no accusation no condemnation is there a possibility of our finding ourselves ultimately condemned by God. That is, on that day, God saying to us, I never knew, depart from me. Is there a possibility that we lose our salvation? Is there a possibility that some new charges will be brought against us, reversing our justification? That's a question. The answer is, none at all. We are given in Romans 8, 33 and 34, five grounds, reasons, solid arguments of our total security of our final salvation on the last day. Romans 8 33 and 34 five arguments they are first God the Father justified us. Number two, Christ Jesus died for us. Number three, Christ Jesus has been raised. Number four, Christ Jesus presently is at the right hand of God in heaven. Number five, Christ Jesus in heaven, in God's presence... Is making intercession for us. So number one. God the Father justified us. Paul asks. Who will bring any charge. Against God's chosen ones. The answer is there are so many. Who will bring charges against us but the idea is they don't stick 
Satan brings charges against us. Satan is our enemy. He is called the accuser of the brethren. Revelation 12 and verse 10. For the accuser of our brothers. Who accuses them before our God. Day and night has been held down. Job remember was blameless. Yet Satan accused him before God. As one full of blame. Job 1, 8 and 9. Then the Lord said to Satan. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. And then Satan says. Does Job fear God for nothing? And he, Satan, has a sound argument. Most Christians serve God to get something. For some temporal benefit. But God is arguing, not Job. The devil hates our salvation. He hates our justification. He hates our sanctification. He hates our glorification. So he tempts us and accuses us to God himself. The devil wants us to fail. When God tests us, he wants us to succeed And he helps us to succeed. But the devil wants us to fail. See what Satan did. In reference to Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Satan wants to sift us as wheat. He tells God that we are not wheat. We are not children of God. We are just chaff. And remember what he did. Satan to Joshua the high priest. Zechariah 3, 1 through 4. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right side to accuse him the Lord said to Satan the Lord rebuke you Satan the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel the angel said to those who were standing before him take off his filthy clothes Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin and I will put rich garments on you. Satan was accusing the high priest, Joshua. Satan is saying Joshua is full of it, full of sin, full of filth. How can he function as high priest? And not only Satan accuses us, false brothers can accuse us and slander us. 
Saint Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 4 if for if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we have preached or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received or a different gospel from the one you accepted you put up with it easily enough 2 Corinthians 11:13 through 15 for such men are false apostles deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of Christ and no wonder for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light it is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness their end will be what their actions deserve 2 Corinthians 11 26 he says, I have been in danger from false brothers. The world, the world of unbelievers accuse us all the time. John 15, 18 and 19, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, It will love you as its own. As it is you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. John 16 verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Not only that our own conscience can accuse us. Sometimes correctly, other times falsely. What do we do when we are accused by our own conscience falsely? First John 3, 19 and 20. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence when our heart condemns us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything argue to your conscience God who justified us justified me having known what everything about me what do we do when we are accused by Satan false brothers the world And our own conscience. Resist the devil. By doctrine. Understanding. God's declarations. Concerning you. Resist the devil by truth. Of the word of God. I am saying. Those who will not learn. The truth of the gospel. Cannot stand. When accused by Satan, false brothers, the world, and one's own conscience. Resist the devil. He comes to devour us as a roaring lion. Resist him by faith in God. Revelation 12 verse 11. They overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony resist him by the facts 
of your salvation. Resist him by the great indicatives of doctrine. I was guilty as charged, but my sins have been blotted out. Isaiah 43 verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And remember your sins no more. Isaiah 44 verse 22, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist. Return to me for I have redeemed you. Jeremiah 50 verse 20. In those days at that time declares the Lord. Search will be made. Maybe by Satan. And false brothers. The world. And maybe our own conscience. In those days search will be made for Israel's guilt. But there will be none. And for the sins of Judah. But none will be found. For I will forgive. The remnant I spare. The case closed. You can bring all these charges against me. But they do not stick. Now or on the last day. Because I am God's beloved. I am God's elect. Chosen in his beloved son. I am foreloved by God. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? We are God's peculiar people. People of God's own possession. We are God's portion. We are God's inheritance. We are God's treasure. Any charges against God's elect is against God himself. Who chose us to salvation. We are loved by God's everlasting love. Many waters cannot quench this love of God for us. How can our enemies bring charges against us when God the judge is for us? Who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. And be blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. This God whose chosen ones we are. This God the judge of the supreme court of the universe has already justified us. By a judicial declaration. That we are just, righteous and holy. As God spoke about Job. We are as righteous as his beloved son. He justified us justly because his righteous law has been fully kept by his son, our representative and redeemer and mediator. All our sins are pardoned forevermore. And more than that, we are clothed in divine righteousness. We are justified once for all. There cannot be any reversal. God has justified the ungodly. No new charge can be brought against us by anyone. Friends, we are outside the reach of God's law. 
we died to the law and married to Christ. We are under grace. Yes, all sin is against God. And it is God who justified us. So this statement, it is God who justifies, paralyzes all our accusers. We are in God, sir. We are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Know this doctrine of justification to resist all enemies. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Second argument. Christ who died. Verse 34. Who can condemn us on the last day? Because condemnation is the opposite of justification. We know that the Father has given Jesus Christ all authority to judge on the last day. Acts 10 verse 42. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Acts 17.31 For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. 2 Corinthians 5.10 We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in body whether good or bad could judge Jesus condemn us on the last day that's a question or anyone else condemn us on the last day how can anyone curse those who are blessed Balaam wanted to curse the people of God but he found out he could not do it because they are blessed numbers 23 19 and 20 God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man that he should change his mind does he speak and then not act does he promise and not fulfill I have received a command to bless He has blessed. I cannot change it. We are blessed. Nobody can change it. And Isaiah 50 verse 7 through 9 says this. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who is he that will condemn me? Nobody. No, Jesus Christ does not condemn us. All the works of Jesus Christ has the one purpose of freeing us from all condemnation. 
So the second ground of our security. Christ Jesus who died. Wages of sin is death. And Christ Jesus died in our place and for our sin. He came to give his life a ransom for many. He is our kinsman redeemer. He is our Boaz. The sinless son of God died for the sinful sons of men. He obeyed as our representative. And he suffered as our representative. So God's faithfulness and justice demand that we be not punished but pardoned and justified. Friends, not a bull, but God incarnate was sacrificed. It is finished. Jesus cried out from the cross. Nothing can be added to Christ's finished work of atonement. God condemned our sin in Christ's flesh. Christ defeated all our enemies by his death. Our enemies, devil, death, the world, sin, law, and hell. Friends, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sins. The theologian Karl Barth was asked, what is your most important word in the Bible? He said, my most important word in the Bible is a preposition, cooper. Christ died for our sins. In our place he died. For our salvation, Christ Jesus died. Romans 5.8, Christos, cooper, hemon, apethanen. Christ, in behalf of us, Died. That is the second argument. Third argument, more than that, he has been raised. The third solid ground of our security, assurance of salvation. Not only Christ died and was buried in a tomb, but he has been raised by the Father. And we read about it. In Romans 1 verse 4, chapter 4 verse 25, chapter 6 verse 4, chapter 8 verse 11. And let me read to you from Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which God the Father exerted in Christ when he raised from the dead. And the long chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is a celebration of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Resurrection of Jesus Christ proves these things. Number one, that he was sinless. No resurrection would have shown 
that Jesus was a sinner just like us, in need of a savior. Resurrection shows that he was, as he said, sinless, son of God. Number two, his atoning sacrifice was accepted by God the Father. Resurrection was the Father's amen to Christ's cry, it is finished. Number three, resurrection proves God's law and justice have been fully satisfied. Number four, that Jesus Christ, as he declared, was and is the Son of God. Number five, that he will judge the world on the last day. Number six, that Jesus Christ is the author of salvation to all who obey him. He is raised a prince and a savior. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says resurrection does not justify us. Resurrection is the proof to us that we have been justified by our Lord's death. So friends, look to the cross and know atonement has been made. And look at the risen Christ and know atonement of Christ has been accepted. A dead savior is a contradiction in terms. But Jesus Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. The fresh fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And that leads us to the fourth argument. This Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ has been glorified in answer to his high priestly prayer. John 17 verse 5, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He has been exalted to the right hand of God. Acts 5.31, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. St. Peter says, 1 Peter 3.21 and 22, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Jesus Christ is on the right hand of God right now. His father has given him the place of supreme honor. Christ Jesus is exalted to universal dominion. He is king of kings and lord of lords. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. He is at God's presence as our high priest. Once a year the high priest entered the Holy of Holies with the blood of sacrifice that he may sprinkle it on and before the mercy seat. He did this as the representative of the twelve tribes of Israel whose sins needed to be atoned. Those waiting outside rejoiced when the high priest came out with the good news. 
their sins have been covered by the blood. But Jesus entered the heavenly tabernacle by his own blood in God's presence. His own sacrifice offered by himself obtained for us full pardon and justification. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered Heaven itself now to appear for us in God's presence as our high priest. To represent us. To pray for us. No more accusation. No more condemnation. Look, Christ, our high priest, is in God's presence for us. And he is seated, sir. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. 110th Psalm, one of the most oft quoted passages from the Old Testament. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies footstool for your feet. God, we are told, rested after creation because the work of creation was finished. Christ is seated, that is, He rests from His redemption work. The priest had no place to sit in the tabernacle or temple, there were no chairs for them because. Their work was never finished. Now the work is finished. Jesus therefore is seated. Jesus Christ, friends, in his body, glorious body, is in heaven. He is in glory. Saint Stephen saw him. Saint Paul saw him. Saint John saw him. He is Lord everywhere. He rules all his creation. He has a job to do now. That is friends. To destroy all his enemies. Whom he in principle. Already destroyed. On the cross. And Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 13. Since that time. He waits for his enemies. To be made his footstool. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 27. Then the end will come. Listen, friends. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. What is his job? Destroy every enemy. And so, friends, if you are an enemy, if you are an unbeliever, listen. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned. You rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him.
And not only that, he is seated. And we, the church, the bride of Christ, is seated with him, and I would say, on his right hand. And Christ is our head. He loves and protects her. This is our security. He is no more in a state of humiliation. That's all done with. It's over. He has been glorified. He is prince and savior of his people. And finally, the fifth argument. He is seated and is interceding who bear him on in behalf of us. He died. He was raised. He is seated. All in the past. Now a present tense verb. He intercedes on our behalf to God the Father. Friends, put it simply, he is praying for us. He is praying for us. All what Christ did was in behalf of us. His death, resurrection, ascension, session, and now his intercession is for us. Jesus Christ never dies again. He lives forever and therefore intercedes for us forever. While on earth, remember, he prayed for Peter. And also he prayed for us. John 17, 9, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. John 17, 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And not only that, his prayer is always effectual. John 11, verse 42, I knew that you always hear me. Now he prays for us in heaven. John 14 verse 16 in heaven he prayed to the father that Holy Spirit be sent to us that he be with us forever as another comforter and the Holy Spirit was outpoured on the day of Pentecost. So we read John 14 16 I will ask the father I'll pray to the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Friends, Holy Spirit is in us, guiding us in triumph all the way to the city of God, the new Jerusalem. So we read in Hebrews 7, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them Jesus lives forever he saves us totally he always lives for one purpose to intercede for us Christ's presence before his father itself is intercession Based on his atoning work, he secures for us the full benefits of redemption, including our future glorification. Friends, he's our sympathizing high priest. Not angel, he helps. He helps us now. While we are being tempted and harassed by our enemies, 
Satan, false brothers, the world, and our own conscience. So we approach the throne of grace in Jesus' name with confidence to receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. In Jesus Christ, we are blessed, friends, with every spiritual blessing. All blessings flow to us through Jesus Christ, the vine, our heavenly intercessor. And St. John says in 1 John chapter 2, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Friends, our Lord Jesus Christ is our advocate with the Father. He wins our case every time. His prayer is heard because it is based on his atoning sacrifice and our prayer is answered. When prayed in his name based on his person and his work. And Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53 verse 12. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for transgression. Atonement and intercession. Based on that atonement. Friends, but the father himself loves us. John 16 verse 27 No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. How much does he love us? Verse 23 I in them and you in me may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Same degree and same extent, same manner. Friends, this God is not our judge. He is our loving Heavenly Father who is eager to bless us in view of His Son's triumphant mediatorial work. So we have an intercessor in heaven. He prays for us. We also have an intercessor on earth, the Holy Spirit who prays for us. And we read that in Romans 8, 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Not only that, sir, we have God's holy church to pray for us. James 5 verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effectual. So we have five solid arguments, reasons, grounds in Romans 8, 33 and 34. That we may enjoy full security in regard to our final salvation. Especially when we face death itself. Jesus said, be not anxious. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Jesus said, rejoice. Friends, 
God is for us. Jesus Christ is for us. Holy Spirit is for us. Holy angels we read this morning is for us. Holy Church is for us. Our salvation is secure. That edifice is built on a solid rock. Jesus Christ. Friends, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you are anxious. You worry. You are afraid. You are afraid of God whose wrath is revealed against you. You are afraid of Jesus Christ, the supreme Lord and judge of all. Those who refuse to repent and embrace Jesus Christ denies that they are sinners. Denies that God's wrath is revealed against them. They despise Christ, his person, and his saving work. They deny that he is coming again in glory to judge the ungodly. They deny that there is eternal life in heaven for true believers and eternal punishment for Christ haters. I urge you, if you are outside of Christ, come to him with all your burden of guilt and he will give you rest. And do it now, do it today. John 6 and verse 37, Jesus said, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will receive. They will eat of the living bread. And they will never go hungry. They will drink the living water of life. And they will never go thirsty. Heavenly Father. By your Holy Spirit. Apply these words. To the saints. By your Holy Spirit draw. Those who are outside of you. That they may come. As sinners. God receives only sinners. May they come. May they confess. May they trust in this Christ and be saved and know that they are saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of this message entitled, No Accusation, No Condemnation. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew 